Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. I tell you what, I had one of the most cram-packed, fast-paced weekends you have ever been on. It is Troy Dooley, your host of Real Mentors Radio. I had the privilege. I mean, it was a true honor of going over and doing a couple of breakout sessions at the Plexus Worldwide Convention. I mean, it, it was... It was interesting. Let me share a little bit before we get into to, to the new series. But I uh, I showed up there on Friday afternoon, and for the most part, except for the the leaders in the company, I mean those that own the company, Tara Robinson and and Alfred and and Alex, who's their chief marketing officer, and the, and the office staff, for the most part, only a couple of field leaders knew who I was. So literally, I invested all weekend doing nothing but watching and listening and snaps I mean I shot two three hundred pictures and it was amazing to me because here's a company that in 2011 alone their growth was over 1400 percent but yet it's made up of just normal everyday average people I, I bet you three quarters if not more of that company have never been in network marketing before it's just a company with a, a, a two phenomenal products one to, to help in the prevention of, of breast cancer, and the second was created for diabetics to be able to lose weight, and it's having some remarkable success. And when I finally got up to speak, after just roaming around, you guys know how I am, I got these Rebelish t-shirts on, and I'm just hanging out and taking pictures, and people are freaking, thinking, you know, see some kind of weird stalker taking picture of all these ladies. But then I get to get up and speak. And it was just a phenomenal time. Two great keynote speakers were there at the event. I got to sit in and listen to them. And I got to admire this company. Obviously, all companies have some weaknesses. I found a couple. But it was such a relaxing deal. I spoke on Saturday afternoon, finished up, talked with some people, jumped in the truck, and I was back home Saturday night, 1130. Um, it was interesting because it was the fastest trip I've ever made to New Orleans. Got home in three hours and 45 minutes. And I took yesterday and just invested it with my lovely princess. We uh, we went out to breakfast in a little place we like to go that's quiet. Then we took a trip down the beach, and now we're getting ready for her sister and family to show up. They've been out in wherever that's at, Disney World. And uh, so we're in town all this week. And then I head out to North Carolina next week, and I think I've talked her into going with me. So I'm going to go rent a, a Mustang, and we're just going to cruise up to North Carolina, invest some time with some new distributors up there. It's going to have be be fun. But we're in Tim Mark's new book, Voyage of a Viking, How a Man of Action Became a Man of Grace. And, and ladies, this isn't just – I don't want you to tune out because I'm talking about a man. I've had the privilege of meeting Tim Marks, his wife, I mean beautiful people in and of themselves. But this is about a man who – whose life parallels mine in some ways. Uh, I'm going to get into that here in a minute. We can relate. It's a rags-to-riches story. But more than the rags-to-riches story, when you get to meet Tim Marks, when you listen to him speak, you start to realize that the internal growth that he had to go through, the forgiving of others and the forgiving of himself, <clears throat> was remarkable. And he starts off, he says, As the saying goes, we don't get to choose the hand we're dealt we only get to choose how we play the cards. We all start where we start, good or bad, 
Some people have the advantage of loving parents, a stable family, a good neighborhood, and money coming into the house. Some people start on the wrong side of the tracks and fight their way to the top. Then again, some people have sight but no vision for success. And some people are born blind, but they have a great vision for how they can inspire people. We each have our victories and our sorrows. And I've had my tough times, and I'm sure you've had yours as well. You know, Tim, in this, in this chapter, it's an interesting chapter. Just the way he writes his book is interesting. But the, the pivotal point in his childhood, and you guys have, have heard, as I've talked about my mentor, Tom Hopp, and, and we've gone through his book, winning strategies for a bigger game in life, we know that under the age of 18 is where you're massively influenced. And those first five or six years is pinnacle moments. Tim was six years old when his mom and dad called him downstairs, him and his brother, to say, hey, we're splitting. We're going to go our separate ways. Now, this is the 1970s. You know, we've we've been able to make it through the 50s with Leave it to Beaver where Everybody pretends everything's okay, and, and if you're having an affair, you do your best, male or female, just to keep it private. We've gotten into the 70s now, where it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, unless you're a baby boomer and you're still trying to pretend that everything's peaches and cream. Single moms, single dads weren't, weren't that prevalent yet. And here's a six-year-old boy getting ready to go to school. Everybody else has got mom and dads, and he doesn't. Now think about this for a minute. We all talk about getting started in life. And sometimes we don't want to go back as far as our childhood to say, you know what, life really freaking sucked. Talking to my mom last week, and she was reading a book by just a phenomenal man. And she, she asked me a question. She said, son, I'm reading this man's book. It's Dr. Charles Stanley, and in this book he mentions that his mom switched him until blood ran down his legs, but he didn't see her as an abuser. He just felt that the discipline was more than what was needed. I said, well, there's a lot of things that happened in the past that people don't see as they do today. And today, divorce is pretty prevalent. No big deal. 50% of all people get divorced. But it wasn't that way in the 70s. And here's a kid going to school. Started out in the schoolyard when people started making fun of him. Hey, you don't have a dad. You're different. After a while, he hit his breaking point. He found out that he was very good at something. I'm going to share with what he wrote. He said, there's Tim, and he doesn't have a dad. The kids would whisper to each other and taunt me. Back then, like today, I was a less talk, more action kind of guy. The kids teasing me started to get under my skin, so I reacted in the most diplomatic way I knew. I pounded the living snot out of them. While my little six-year-old mouth didn't have the words to respond, my fist sure did. And it's amazing how much I could wallop those little fists of mine. My anger and hurt added to the oomph of each punch. I had a mom and dad, so that wasn't... That wasn't a big deal, but my dad busted his butt all the time, so he really wasn't at home. I can remember growing up, especially the late 60s, early 70s, my mom held down a job, too. She was doing the Tupperware thing, but at the same time, she was out there working. As a matter of fact, I can remember one of her first jobs was working in the warehouse for J.C. Penney's. I was what they called the latchkey kid. 
I can relate to what Tim was talking about being made fun of. Not because of my parents, just because of the fact that I was me, I guess. I had a hard time back then getting up in front of the class and talking. I came from a family where violence was pretty prevalent. Also had a time sometimes talking, trying to figure out what words I wanted to say. Had a, bit, a little bit of a dyslexia problem. Kind of weird. When my mom and dad got mad, they would switch us, but more than that, they would yell. So the neighbor kids freaked out sometimes, didn't have a lot of friends. I remember the first time I ever got in trouble at school. I'd seen what the big kids would do, and every time they'd get mad at somebody, they'd put that middle finger up and flip them off. So I did that one day. thought, you guys tick me off. I'll flip you off. Didn't have a clue what it meant, but I knew it got a reaction, and it did. I ended up in a teacher's office. It's kind of weird. I didn't know that's what would happen. But I understand growing up with anger and hurt. And you bottle it up. Because if you try to show your emotions, you've either got a dad that says, don't be a wuss, suck it up, be a man, kick their butt. You've got a mom that's a typical mom that'll tell you sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I'll never forget, I swore when I grew up, I would never say that to my kids, and I haven't ever. When one of my kids came to me and said, hey, so-and-so said something, I understood the pain they were going through because I was there. One of the pivotal points for for Tim was when he got into Boy Scouts, and and I wasn't in Boy Scouts for very long. We were in what was called Royal Rangers, same thing. But it came the time when they were going to have the father-son canoe trip. And Tim just knew his dad would show up. He had moved and was living, I think, in Ohio at the time. And they kept saying, he's not going to drive to Michigan and go on a canoe trip with you. But he told Tim he would, so Tim believed him. And on that canoe trip day, Tim's mom took him to the mall where his dad was going to meet him. And his dad never showed up. That was a pivotal point for him. That's when he started to really see his dad in a different light. Some of us might even say he started to really hate his dad. It kind of sucks when you go through that. I had a love-hate relationship with my dad. Most of my cousins that I hung out with did too, with their own dads. You know, it was one of those things where it was weird back then because you always wanted your dad to be there, but very seldom would he. I I can tell you right now... Pivotal points in my life where my dad, for whatever reason, whether he had to work, didn't have the money, it didn't matter to me what the excuse was. That's how I saw it. He wasn't there. The day I graduated from boot camp, he wasn't there. The day I graduated from high school, he wasn't there. The day I got married, he wasn't there. We all go through situations in our life where, as outsiders, we look and we say, so-and-so wasn't there for me. And we, we bottle up the angstness inside. See, all my life, all I wanted to do was make my dad proud. He was one heck of a man. He came from a family of, of undefeated fighters. They were pioneers. They helped till the ground that made America what it is. 
my dad's the toughest man I'd ever met. And I kept thinking, well, man, I just, I don't, I don't have some of this attitude that he has. It was, it sucks. So I understand where Tim was coming from. Not because I didn't have a dad, but because I didn't feel like I could ever please my dad. But yet that carried over into my adult life just like it did in Tim's adult life. See, back in the 70s when you're a kid and you're going through this crap, and, and you go to the nurse and say, I just don't feel good, I, I can't handle it, i got a headache, whatever, and they take your temperature. This is, a, this is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. And Lord knows, as parents, we still do it. But they stick a thermometer up your butt or in your mouth. They pull it out and they say, well, your temperature's normal, like, like you're okay, like that. That may, must mean there's nothing wrong with you and nobody ever sat down to think, I wonder what this little kid's going through. I wonder what the pain is he's going through. That teacher that I went before when I flipped those kids off was named Mrs. Cunningham. She, to this day, is the greatest teacher I ever had in my life. She was my first grade teacher. She loved the Lord like nobody's business. And she could just tell I was going through some pain, and she took me under her wing. And it was the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Because it helped change. It, helped, it, was a, it, was a, it was a flashpoint in my life. Something that, that Tim talks about, he says, I have learned that God hates divorce. And it's very tough on kids, too. Now, he says that, man, even, even if you don't love each other and can't get along, you shouldn't get a divorce for the kids. One of these days, Tim and I might sit down and debate that a little bit. I, too, believe God hates divorce, but I don't think kids should play a role in it. See, I believe that when you make that covenant, if it's done right and it's done in a godly manner, then what needs to become first is you and your spouse. And you better become the strongest union because eventually the kids get up and, as the Bible says, they'll cling to their wife and they'll take off. Huh, I wonder if that means that my girls are going to bring boys home and they're going to stick around. Lord, help me. Anyway, back to this. Tim had a hard time in school. Because of the dyslexia, because he just was slow, because of all the pain and anger that he had, he was labeled a special kid, basically. Dumb, stupid. I know how that felt. Now, it wasn't that I was dumb and stupid. I did have a hard time reading out loud and in public. I hated ridicule. And it was one of those things that just, I don't know, like I said, it was the era. If my dad got mad at me in public because I did something, I got a spanking. If I embarrassed my mom in public, I'd get a spanking. My little brother was the same way. Other kids were the same way. It wasn't like our parents were any different back then. But after a while, you think, man, I am different. I don't want, I don't want to be embarrassed, so... You got up in front of a class, and, and you get embarrassed. Now, I never worried about what the guy said for the most part. But, man, I tell you what, you get a pretty girl, and she makes a funny comment or a snide comment, and you want to know, it'll rip your heart out. So I'm, I was like Tim. I didn't want to get up in a room full of people and talk. This is how Tim wrote it. And, man, the emotions came flowing back when I read it. He said, I felt so terrible of standing up in front of the board and embarrassing myself again that if I thought the teacher was going to call on me, I would literally excuse myself and go to the bathroom. We had one in our classroom. I would hide in there until I heard her call on someone else. These moments would birth in me much like what happened 
with many other people of fear speaking in front of groups. The embarrassment felt suffocating. I shared that this weekend at the Plexus event because now I can get up in a room full of thousands of people and speak. But it hasn't always been that way. My wife, who's a best-selling romance writer, still hates public speaking. Now, they've labeled everything as ADD, ADHD, dyslexia. But back then, you were just plain stupid, and that's how they saw it. You're weak, and that's what Tim was going through. But he narrowed it down, and I thought this was very good. He said, negative associations form negative habits. He said, the power of association must not be underestimated. Whatever you put into your brain is going to stick. Whatever you watch, read, listen to, or is going to change the way you think. Whoever you hang around or hang around with is going to change the way you think. And because of that, we as adults have to be very careful to monitor what goes into our heads, just like our kids. See, my mom always read that Bible story you guys have heard me tell you, knock out the tea. About how little Tommy could do anything he wanted to do if he'd just knock out the T in the word can't and say, I can do this. I believed that. But usually it was when I was getting punished or I was having to make it through some ridiculing moment. In the back of my mind, I'd say, I can make it through this crap. I can make it through this crap. And then I did the best to go home. I always loved climbing trees, and I would climb into the very, very top of a tree because I knew that there were other people that were afraid to climb trees. And I had no fear in my body of physical stuff. I just had fear of what people would say and how they would act. I had that all through my life. I'd get upset with people and say, you're a Jesus freak because your mom and dad are all the time thinking you go to church. It got to a point where I hated anything that my mom and dad liked. Tim was that way. Makes you wonder, how can a guy go from, from, Troy, what you're talking about and then end up becoming this speaker, this multimillionaire, this author? <laughs> you got to keep working through things sometimes. It's not easy. And Tim writes something. He said, I know how susceptible all of us, especially kids, can be to negative influences. As a dad, it's not only prudent to me to figure out that that at some point that my own kids might at some sort get together with their friends and there might be some beer or cigarettes or worse. He goes, so I wanted to practice saying no. I wanted them to learn how to say no. He goes, so we would go through all the scenarios. Now, I know how that is, because my mom and dad would tell me, no, I'll never forget, my mom had this cute saying, and and, and I'm going to paraphrase it, because I can't remember it all, but basically, it was, when I'd go out on a date, she'd say, well, don't do anything that you wouldn't do in front of me. Well, I got to a point where I just figured, you know what, as long as she's asleep, I can do anything I want to in front of her. So, that didn't work. As I brought my kids up into this world, I didn't quite say it that way. I just flat told them, here's the ramifications that I went through. And this is going to be the law of diminishing returns, and that really is not just a saying, but it really is a law. And, and if this is, this is what's going to happen, if you're, not, if you're not 
watching things very carefully. Because, see, it doesn't matter what you tell your kids. They are still going to be made, they're going to make free choices. God gave us freedom of choice. Just this weekend, one of my boys who I just love dearly, I thank the world of him, was on a camping trip up in Georgia somewhere. I'm not sure if this was the same event that his girlfriend was at or not, but she was inducted into the pagan religion as a priestess or something. I don't know what they are. Definitely not the lifestyle that I chose or that I would choose for him. And it wasn't that he wasn't raised right, that he didn't get raised with conservative Christian values, for lack of a better word. But we also raised them to make their own choices, whether we liked it or not. See, sometimes when we go through life, we're going to take on a bunch of the baggage of our parents. We're going to take on the baggage that other people tell us, the labels they give us, you're stupid, you're dyslexic, you're ADD, or worse. But see, I believe that, and and this is my faith coming out, but I believe God created us in his own image. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if if you're in the Christian faith, this is what we believe, then you become like Christ. It doesn't mean that overnight you change into this, you know, angelic type person it means that you're walking towards something so you're constantly focused on treating other people the way you want to be treated to to not judge because jesus didn't come to judge he came to save so you you don't condemn you you learn to understand but when you're a little kid when you're just going through stuff you don't always get that when you're out there on a sale and somebody tells you no or they ask you a question you don't understand or they tell you that's a pyramid or that's a scam. None of that works. I read stuff on the internet. We freak out, and it's all because of the baggage that we bring into our adult life. And the question is, what are you going to do? Well, the first thing you've got to realize is that no matter what in life, we've all been forgiven. We we, we can all be a, get a second chance. We can all live through grace. I'm not just talking about this the spiritual attitude side of this. I'm saying that if you will start today to realize you are somebody. You're a unique creature. I don't care if you believe in God or you believe in some other ultimate power or even if you're an atheist. It doesn't really matter to me right now. What matters to me is that you realize you are a unique individual. I don't care if you believed you came from some little you know, speck of dust from space, hit the water, became a fish, all of a sudden grew one arm, and the next thing you know you were a monkey and became a man. I don't give a rip. You're still unique. And if you're unique, then you should not listen to the labels that other people put on you. Instead, what you should do is say, who am I? What can I become? Look at your, look at your dreams. Look at what you want. Maybe you're in a network marketing company. And you say, man, I just want to be like one of those people that walked across stage that had their life changed. Uh, the Plexus this weekend, I watched this beautiful girl, I mean... I think she's dropped 60 or 70 pounds, like five or six, seven dress sizes. I, I, I had such an amazing weekend just listening to average normal people. None of the, you know, I get so tired of watching beautiful, sexy women tell me how much weight they lost, and, and I can't even fathom that they were ever fat. I just like normal, everyday men and women looking at me and saying, Troy, here's a picture of what I looked like before. 
And here's what I am today in front of you, and I'm thinking, daggone. If he can do that, I can do that. If she can do that, I can do that. See, we gotta we got to rip away the, 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 the daggum labels that people put on us. we got to get back to the nitty-gritty. I don't care if you're 100 years old and you're listening to this show. you got to get back down to the nitty-gritty. Back down to the beginning. Tim tells something about his parochial school teacher. Him and his buddy had gone out during the class dance, and they'd egg the school, and and he's in sixth grade, and the only thing he could think of putting was that Sister Judy's fat. Thought that would get her. And this is why you never do anything with a partner, because there's no, no loyalty in crime, but his partner, while he was off puking because they'd gotten drunk and had gone into the dance, told everybody what they'd done so everybody knew about it. There's no secrets. It's one of the reasons my brother-in-law became a sniper. He never had to worry about anybody giving away his location. But here's something that happened to Tim. He said, I was called into the principal's office and I got detention. He goes, I had to sit with Miss Sister Judy as she marked papers and I did schoolwork. He goes, but something miraculous happened. She was still nice to me. I couldn't believe it. After all I'd done, I was truly stunned that Sister Judy still didn't cast me out. The fact that she showed me grace when I was being wicked and evil was astounding. The incident saw the start of trust building between us and opened the door to our relationship. And just like Mrs. Cunningham who I got to meet as an adult several years later because I found out she was the great aunt of one of my closest friends, and I got to thank her for what I did. There came a time in Tim's life when he got to see Sister Judy. He became a multimillionaire. He went back to the funeral of a friend, and she was there. He got to talk to her and hug on her and ask her how things were doing, and she told him, and she said, but the... The church is no longer funding our school, and some of the kids are not going to be able to go next year. And Tim said, well, crying out loud, with all the, all the stuff that you did for me, I don't want to ever want to see kids go, to go through that. What hap- I mean, how much does it cost? And she told him the figure. And he was blown away at how small the figure was. Called his assistant and said, I want you to cut me a check. We're going to fund this school for a year. A little boy who at the time was in sixth grade, is now an adult with four kids, had an opportunity to pay it forward three decades later. He never forgot the turning point in his life where one person showed him grace when he didn't deserve it and changed his life. I want you guys to think today as we come to the close. I mean, first of all, we didn't didn't even get through the majority of this chapter. You gotta buy the book, Voyage of a Viking. Don't ask me where you can buy it at. I don't have a clue. Um you just you just send me an email and I'll tell you where you can go buy it. I'll find out from Tim where we can get this book. It may be at Amazon. Obstacles Press uh published it out of Flint, Michigan. Um but anyway, here's here's the deal. You may be struggling somewhere in your adult life right now, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your business whether it's just in personal relationships. Maybe it's just in trusting people or, or trying to do so much. you got all this anger inside of you. Maybe you're in a relationship where you're saying, Troy, I really feel like divorce is the only option. Hey, whatever it is, 
there's an answer if you seek out. And I challenge you to seek out some counseling, some guidance, some mentoring. There's plenty of people out there. Check out your church or local area or something. But what I don't want you to do is give up. You guys hear me say all the time, life is an epic adventure. And if you will sit down and watch any epic adventure, there are highs and lows, mountains and valleys. But in epic adventures, good always wins over evil. There's a reason for that. It's because they stole the greatest adventure that was ever written out of the Bible. I'm telling you, this book gets deeper and deeper. It's going to, be, it's going to touch your toes, but we're going to have a blast with it. Tomorrow, from Viking to Superman, or in you ladies' this case, Superwoman. You're going to love this. Live life like it's an epic, uh, live life like it's an epic adventure, and remember, you can hear us on the Home Business Radio Network. It's a 24-7, and you can listen to us do the news and our new show, The Beachside CEO. You've got to tune in. Be back here tomorrow with us on Real Mentors Radio as we cover Chapter 2 of Voyage of a Viking, How a Man of Action Became a Man of Grace. We'll see you next time.